This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, April 22, 2013. I'm Caleb Brown. Drones are changing how America does war, and that could make the United States more willing to engage in the kinds of devastating hostilities like those undertaken in Libya. Steve Vladek is a professor of law, the associate dean for scholarship at American University Washington College of Law. We spoke following an event on drones held today. One of the notable moments in, in your talk was that you said you were a little critical of Rand Paul's filibuster and, and sort of what it focused on. You said it failed essentially to answer some of the very difficult questions surrounding drone warfare. What are those hard questions and uh, how did uh, what Rand Paul argued on the floor of the Senate uh, fall short? Sure. I mean, so I think that the hypothetical that, that motivated Senator Paul and his supporters was the prospect that the government might use a drone strike even against a U.S. citizen on U.S. soil. And I think that's a rather, you know, sort of out there hypothetical when you contrast it with what we actually know or at least reasonably believe to be true already, uh, which is that upwards of 4,000 non-citizens have been killed in drone strikes outside the United States. And so I think the, the hard question that drone strikes raise is just what the geographical scope of the armed conflict is uh, and who exactly it is that we're fighting. And in that regard, you know, getting the attorney general to admit uh, that we wouldn't use a drone against a non against a, a citizen on U.S. soil who's not actively engaged in combat, I think is about like getting the attorney general to admit that he's pretty sure the sun's going to come up tomorrow, you know, compared to what groups do you think you can use force against? Uh, what countries do you think you can use force against them in? And you know, what are the limits on that authority? And so I think it was the right, it was the right idea. It was motivated by the right concerns, but I think it had the wrong hypothetical in mind. Okay. And a lot of people immediately following uh, Eric Holder's letter going back to Senator Paul said, he's not actually really saying anything here. And that was one of the chief criticism. Yeah. And so I think part of the problem is that you've got you know, this very, very technical conversation happening that's missing the larger picture, which is the general lack of accountability, the general lack of oversight, the general lack of public understanding of the scope of our program. You know, I think we're all pretty confident that to date, there have not been drone strikes against U.S. citizens on U.S. soil. I think there's no confidence whatsoever on just how pervasive and prolific the program has become in other parts of the world, including parts of the world where we have no military presence. Benjamin Witte's at the event today said that the more you target an individual, the more you can essentially, you know, as they call them, surgical strikes, as the more you can target an individual and reduce collateral damage to basically zero, that what you're doing appears to be a lot less like war. So, and then you talked a little bit about how drones are sort of changing how we look at uh, hostilities. So in your, your view, how are we changing war with this new technology? Well, I mean, I think we've already moved far afield of the, you know, good old one army on a battlefield marches at another army on a battlefield and they shoot at each other until someone's dead, right? You know, that's, we're long past that point. But I think the difference in drone strikes is the extent to which it really removes humans, not from the equation, but certainly from the site. Um, right, that in fact we are fighting wars from increasingly remote locations. Um, and while that was already true with the proliferation of missile technology in the 1950s and 60s, the difference is that the precision means that the moral calculus for our leaders um, is a bit easier. 
um, right? That that the the targeted precision that you can get from a drone strike makes it less likely, for example, that a strike will provoke retaliation. Uh, it makes it less likely that a, a strike will provoke the uh, reprobation of the in- international community. Um, and it makes it far easier for the government to sell what it's doing as carefully limited to just the very worst of the worst. We're, we're past the point where warfare is about the armies. Um, we're at the point where warfare is about the operational leaders. And drone strikes gives the government the technological capability to actually single those guys out in a way that we really couldn't before. And we had at some point uh, Jay Carney on behalf of the President of the United States when we're dropping bombs on Libya saying, well, this isn't war. And it doesn't fall into a traditional definition of war because, well, we don't have troops involved. And I think that's that's a dangerous precedent to set, um, right? That the more we move away from this uh, idea that the definition of war is the presence of ground troops on the ground in the relevant country, you know, I think that's a, that's a trap that we're going to really n- not want to have to extricate ourselves from when the time comes. The reality is, I think the better way to think about it is whether we are using military force as a first resort. Um, and whether we're using that force uh, um, by, through ground troops, whether we're using it through an airstrike, whether we're using it through a drone, if it's military force as a first resort, you know, call it war, call it armed conflict, call it you know, bananas. Uh, but it's something that I think is within the traditional domain of the law of armed conflict. Congress has done its best in uh, recent years, especially to sort of punt on war questions. And uh, since I think Rand Paul's filibuster, some more attention has been uh, focused on that issue. And uh, we've been asking that question here at the Cato Institute today. Is there any inkling that Congress really wants to reassert control over over this issue? Is there really an oversight function that is that is ramping up or do you have any sense of that? You know, there's certainly a, a rhetoric-creating function that's ramping up. Whether there's going to be increased oversight that comes out of this, I think, remains to be seen. You know, there's another hearing, for example, scheduled for Tuesday before the Senate Judiciary Committee on drones. These hearings, I think, have been going on, but we haven't seen any legislation or, or any new calls for oversight. Um, I, I think the real question going forward is actually twofold. The first is going to be how much Congress pushes for a public accounting of our targeted killings program, maybe not you know on a strike by strike basis, but at least a general uh, clarification by the administration of of the volume of strikes and of their location, at least to get us you know closer to to the truth, closer to the facts than where we are right now. The larger, deeper question, I think this is where we will see action in Congress is what to do about the AUMF, what to do about the 2001 statute that is still providing the framework for all of this, that is increasingly outdated, increasingly obsolete. You know, I think it's a matter of time before Congress takes up the very large and difficult question of whether it's time for a new AUMF, whether it's time to repeal the 2001 statute. And I think the drone discussion, the drone debate is inextricably intertwined with that question because it's all about where we're using force and against whom. All right. So President Obama, uh, for his part, has has ramped up dramatically uh, the use of, of drones overseas. But I noted when uh, it was published this sort of beautiful infographic, sort of detailing how the drones had drone attacks had had proceeded, at least in Pakistan, that it was the, in the last few months of the Bush administration there was also this very dramatic upswing, and President Obama, it seemed, uh, sort of just continued uh, with that. Uh, we hear at the Cato Institute use the term midnight regulating. That is to say, regulatory agencies pushing through regulations uh, finally before they're officially no longer in charge. 
is there is can there be such a thing as midnight droning? I think there could be. I think, you know, if that had been what was going on in the latter days of the Bush administration, we would have seen a drop-off once President Obama came to office. You know, not not so much I in see. repudiating the midnight strikes, but certainly in not continuing to embrace them and expand upon them. I think the hard question is why this president, among anybody else, right, the the law professor turned Senate candidate, you know, senator turned presidential candidate who railed against executive power, why has he found so much comfort and so much solace in drone strikes? And I think part of the answer to that is because from an accountability perspective, uh, where it matters the most at the ballot box, it is a heck of a lot easier to sell drone strikes on a population than to sell ground troops, uh, to sell you know uh, commando raids by you know SEAL teams, to sell special forces operations. And so I think for this president in particular, um, who I think has been especially sensitive to how he looks on national security questions, drone strikes have actually come very cheap, not in economic terms, but in political terms. Steve Vladek is a professor of law and the associate dean for scholarship at American University Washington College of Law. You can listen to or watch the full event on drone strikes at our website, cato.org.